Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. Thanks for joining us. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today comes to us from Queens, New York. He is one Michael Nilon. He and I go way, way back, probably 20 plus years ago. So this is a real treat that he is going to be on the program today. And for our conversation, we are going to be discussing Manchester's Oasis and their debut record, Definitely Maybe, which was released on Creation Records way back on August 29th of 1994. This record spawned three singles, including Supersonic, Shaker Maker, and Live Forever. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest. Mike, it's great to have you. Thanks for being here. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. So what made you choose this particular record from Oasis? Well, when I was in high school, um, it was the, the days of the CD player. Um, I started traveling to school. Uh, I was an hour away from my house and I needed something to kill the time. Um, that's that's when I pretty much started listening to music on those long bus rides. The first record I ever bought was actually Weezer, um, the Blue Album. My name is Jonas, Undone the Sweater Song. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it took a, a couple of years passed by and before I discovered Oasis. It was actually by accident. Your house, your old housemate, actually, Dan Yeruso, Shaggy, uh, had to buy a, a Christmas gift for his uh-huh. older brother. And his brother actually asked for What's the Story, Morning Glory, and Dan bought him the uh, the first album by accident. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think what happened was Anthony, actually, his older brother, Anthony, didn't actually like the record, and he wound up just giving it to me. Um, I think they released a couple of songs oh. by then, and they had a couple of videos out by then on MTV. Live Forever was one of them. And I think the sound was just captivating. I mean, I, the Noel Gallagher's like solo um, and the actual end of the song, the solo on the end of the song, I felt like the guitars were something that I've never heard before. Um, the distortion on it and also like the lyrics. I mean, they were pretty straightforward and positive. And, you know, if you think back of everything, all the music that was going on back then, the grunge scene. They were, they were, they really stood out. They were definitely stood out from the Seattle sound and it was something different. And I know that there were a couple of, you know, Blur was around before them, but I think they were the band that really introduced me to a whole new sound. And, um, I think from there, like I, I fell in love with that record and it, I still listen to it to this very day. So it still gives me goosebumps. Yeah. It still sounds as fresh as ever. Those big, heavy, distorted guitars, etc. Um, we're talking with Mike Nealon from Queens, New York here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, specifically about the debut offering from Oasis. That record is called Definitely Maybe. So, Mike, you alluded to Noel Gallagher. Who are some of these other players that are on Definitely Maybe? So originally, they started out um, without Noel Gallagher. Noel Gallagher actually was a roadie for a band called the Inspiral Carpets, while Liam Gallagher actually formed the band um, in his hometown. Um, Paul Bonehead Arthurs, uh, he's the rhythm guitarist. 
You had um, Gwigzy, um, Paul, Paul McQuiggan on the bass. And then you had their friend, uh, Tony McCarroll on drums. So I think they were, they were pretty much all childhood friends um, looking to, you know, create a band, make some music. And what happened was Liam was never really into music before. And Noel, unbeknownst to him, uh, phoned his mom one day and he heard that uh, Liam was, you know, rehearsing. And he was like, rehearsing what? <laughs> so he, when he came home from, tour, from touring with the Inspiral Carpets, um, he went to one of their uh, rehearsals, rehearsals and uh, he was pretty impressed by, you know, the sound. And I mean, he said the lyrics were quite shit, but, you know, the, the fact that he could actually form a band together and schedule rehearsals and um, it, it showed a lot of promise. So I, I, they, they wanted Noel originally to be their manager and Noel told them to fuck off. And <laughs> he said that, listen, I could join the band, but I could write the songs. Cause you know, he, he wasn't impressed with what Sounds they were putting right. out lyric, yeah. lyrically wise. And uh, that's pretty much how they started. They had um, a couple of gigs around town but their big break was actually um, when they went to Scotland, uh, a city called Glasgow. And um, there happened to be a record executive in the audience that night. And they were threatening to smash the place up, actually, because the, the bouncer didn't want to let them on stage because they they were causing trouble from the start. Um, there was the opening band. the the uh, Actually, the headliner was Sister Lovers. And um, they said they, they weren't going to go on unless they let Oasis on. So they let Oasis go on and they captured the uh, eye of Alan McGee, Creation Records. And from there, that was pretty much it. They took off. We're talking with Mike Nilon here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. We are really getting into the weeds, if you will, of Oasis and definitely maybe um, – one thing I didn't realize, Mike, before our conversation was that Oasis went under a different name. Just a fun little fact that you're probably aware of. They were called The Rain. Rain. Yeah. Which, yeah, when, when, think, when you think of rain, you think of something that's, you know, kind of the opposite of positivity. And, you know, you had mentioned that many of these lyrics, they're pretty captivating, pretty up, uplifting, which is kind of the opposite of what was happening in kind of mainstream culture here in the states um so this was a breath of fresh air if you will (laughs) well i think they actually oasis was an actual place where they used to buy their trainers uh the sneaker store Mm -hmm. in town so i think i I remember reading something like they were going over what what they should call themselves and that just kind of stuck out to them um and you like noel gallagher even says like a lot of his lyrics don't mean anything like the, the lyrics to Supersonic, he wrote in five minutes. I mean, Elser was a pit bull. It's a dog. You know, mm-hmm. it's Mr. Sifter used to sell me songs when I was 16. That was the local record store. So a lot of, a lot of their local lyrics, lyrics are from around town. And it just so happens that the name of the band just happens to be mm-hmm. the same way. That's how they uh, thought. That's how they created Oasis. It's a sneaker store. That's super cool. That's a fun little fact. Um, 
you know, this feels like a good time to talk about some of your favorite tracks. We, we know that this is the debut record from Oasis. We we understand now how you discovered the band, you know, as as it is at this point in time in 1994. Um, so what are your favorite tracks? Would you like to go systematically side by side or would you like to pick out some of your just absolute favorite tracks and talk about some lyrics, why you love those songs, et cetera? What, um, where do you? Where do you want to take our conversation? I think that I think I really only have four really favorite songs on that album. The rest of the songs are good, but they're just lead-ins to they're kind of lead-in. And and you know what, with the whole thing about like our technology these days, people have forgotten the art of listening to a record from front to back. You know, like from 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 track 1 to to, to the last track. I mean, it's it's a it's a lost art and I feel bad for, you know, the kids these days growing up, you know, they just purchase, purchase singles or just stream the songs that they want to hear. I don't even think no one listens to an album front to mm-hmm. start front to end anymore. And for me, like right off the bat, it was yeah. rock and roll star. Like the intro to that is just captivating. It, it punches you in the face and the attitude and the poise of Liam Gallagher, like singing that song, the video is phenomenal. Like it's just a live concert, but it, it's just so positive and, and, you know, in your face, the end of the song, like the, the repetitive, it's just rocking, it's just rocking, such a cocky mm-hmm. bastard, but like, you just love him for it because it's, it's what a front man should be. The second song's okay. Shake a maker. I love it. It's just, to me, it's just a bridge to, to the third track, which is live forever. Live forever will always be my favorite song. Um, the lyrics are phenomenal. It's everything you want to hear in a song. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's going to stand the test of time because the, the lyrics are so meaningful. They, they could apply to any situation. I love that drum pattern at the beginning, that little bass and ride cymbal. It's just real light and crisp, but yeah. it completely sets the tone for this, this track. The offspring actually ripped them off years later and they kind of like hopped, they, they piped it up <laughs> in the beginning of one of their songs. That's, that's another, that's, a, that's for another podcast. Um, nice. But track, track four up in the sky. I mean, there's so many different versions of that song too not only on definitely maybe but live tracks like no released an acoustic version of him singing it you know like that's that's another thing like they have two singers but mm-hmm. you know on this record it's mostly Liam but you know some if you really if you really listen to some of the tracks you could hear Noel in the background singing backward backing vocals but up in the sky it's another bridge to my third favorite song on the album which is Columbia now Columbia, I love that intro. It's such a a slow build up to the drums and the guitar again. Like that's that's the most the best thing about this album is the distorted guitars. Like I just on track five, Columbia, you know, rock and roll star. I it's the it's just it's a sound I've just never heard before. When you put it together, it just sounds great. I mean what I've heard, not very here. I could see the sounds, but they're not very clear. And it's, you know, you have your bridge, your solo, chorus. It's, they're, 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 they're meat and potatoes rock and roll. They really are. And then as that song fades out, my fourth favorite song on the album, 
and, and there really is no order, is supersonic. Because just when you think it's like fading out, boom, the drum hits you on track six. And you just like wake up. Like if you're on a long road trip or something and you're listening to this album and you're about to veer off the road, supersonic will wake you up <laughs> yeah. and put you right back. So I need no, to be myself. Yeah. yeah. And those, like, again, like those lyrics don't mean anything. Like Noel even said when he was writing me, he's like half, half the band was out in the bar, the back having a cigarette. And I just wrote these down on paper. They came back in. I'm like, I wrote another song. And they were like, you did not just write that. I'm like, oh, yes, I did. <laughs> So, and then bring it on down. Like he had a hot hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he really did. Like he, he really, like it took him like five years to just bang out all these hits. And then gradually after that, I guess, you know, I, I, I always love all their albums, but the critically acclaimed, they, I guess they just fell off after what's the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was going to say, bring it on down. It's known for a good solo. And then you have cigarettes and alcohol which is pretty much the band's national anthem. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Digsy's Dinner. It's an okay song, not my favorite. Slide Away was actually produced. That's the only song on the album that was produced by another person. Um, Mark Coyle actually produced that song. Because they originally recorded this album, they had to re-record it because they didn't like the way it sounded. So that's one of the tracks they kept in because Noel said Liam wouldn't be able to re-sing that, those, those lyrics. So they just kept it from the old producer and then um, married with children, uh, you know, the acoustic song at the end. And actually on the, mm-hmm. uh, there's on the, there's, there's another song called sad song, which isn't on all the U S releases, which is pretty much a great song. I don't know why they left it off the album, but they did for some reason, but that's, that's pretty much the whole album in a nutshell. Yeah, maybe they ran out of space or decided to leave it for another import copy, maybe Japanese or Mexican import. I don't understand why they didn't like some songs they left on and that one they left off because I feel like that is a better song than maybe Digsy's Dinner. But like, I I guess I guess it goes with the flow of the record. Like uh, like I was just saying, like when you listen to a record from front to back, it, it it, it just has like a a feel to it. You know, you mentioned, you know, I just want to talk about Married with Children here for a second. You know, it's that more stripped down acoustic song that that closes the entire album. I, I wondered if this song was kind of a precursor to She's Electric on What's the Story. I don't know. Similar mm-hmm. vibes, similar lyrics, um, maybe written about the same person that was close to the band yeah, in some way. You know, I never really thought about that. I think, you know, yeah, it sounds like a song about an ex-girlfriend who just really pissed Noel off. You know, because he's the one who wrote mm-hmm. it, so it's definitely coming from his heart. One thing that's just interesting to me about this record is I- I'm just looking at the various timestamps of songs. It would be very, I'd, I'd be very surprised if there are a lot of songs today on contemporary FM radio that that pass the four minute mark. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So much, so much is kind of like encapsulated in that kind of like three minute, you know, time frame. I mean, the, the ultimate declaration of rock and roll star that is a blistering what five minutes and thirty two seconds slide away clocks in over six minutes. Yeah. Um, 
and you that, know, Columbia, the, the first 12 inch single was six minutes and 17 seconds. Like that's Oasis, just, that, that would be mind blowing for kids today. Yeah. Oasis definitely likes distorted endings to their songs. And I kind of like that style, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, once he stops singing, there's a lot more guitar and then it kind of fades out. And I don't know if it's the producer who likes that because Noel Gallagher will definitely have the last say. But I think he likes it, too, mm-hmm. because it's on a, a number of their other records as well. And if you look at Blur, just the sidetrack, like they actually do that a lot as well. So I, maybe it's like a an English thing or a Britpop thing. I don't know. Maybe During that era, maybe that's that's what the when you're in the studio, that's how, you know, you wanted it produced. But a lot of their songs do clock in. I mean, when you look at Be Here Now, the whole album clocks in at 73 minutes. So <laughs> maybe it's ego. He wants to get his guitar solos in. Liam wants to get his vocals in and you need to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a movement. If you, you know, if you think about a ballet where there are just different sections, you know, sections and, and those little sections are kind of describing different emotions, maybe because the band itself and, you know, it's lyricists are th- Throwing so much out there lyrically, just intensity and whatnot. Maybe it's almost just kind of a cool down period for the listener to really digest exactly what you just got punched in the face with. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So we're, we are friends. We're talking with Mike Nealon from Queens, New York here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. All things Oasis, all things definitely maybe. Mike, I think this is a good time to close our conversation and talk about cover art. So as we we both know, we're both children of the 80s, came into our super formative years in the 90s, and cover art's always been important. We both know this. Many people know this about any sort of release, whether it's digital, physical, etc. Um, when, when you think about the cover art for definitely maybe what kinds of images are conjured up in your mind? Um, does it take you back to 1994? Does it transport you right there? Or are, are there just like certain pieces of that cover art that just blow your mind? Or I don't know. What um, well, what say it, you? It's very interesting. I mean, when the album came out, I was 14 years old. Um, you know, I wasn't living on my own yet. I was still living at home. But their cover art, it's it's actually, you know, in that's Bonehead's flat, Paul Arthur's, the the rhythm guitarist. Mm-hmm. That's his apartment. So they're all hanging out watching the Clint Eastwood movie, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. And um, Liam's laying on the floor, having a glass of wine, smoking a cigarette. Noel's tinkering around with his guitar. There's a picture of Burt Bacharach right at his knees. And there's a globe that is hung from wire from the ceiling. And I, I mean, I don't know the background of what, you know, why they did this, why they did the shoot they did, but I can tell you that that was the setting. <laughs> that was the movie that was playing. That was the painting. Um, yeah. But you know what? It just really tells you that they didn't have a lot of money. They didn't make it yet. They weren't superstars. They still had probably odd jobs. And, you know, they were on the verge of superstardom and they were just hanging out, having some wine, uh, hanging out in a guy's flat. 
watching a movie. And that's probably how it was until things took off for them. I wonder if that globe is significant in any way of their desires to want to conquer the entire world. The funny musically. thing is, is that I, I follow their, I follow their um, band on Twitter and they have a lot of fans who love to recreate the, the, that, that scene and the flat with their own pictures. And like, it's kind of funny, like the fan, their fans take on it. Like they always, they get the globe, they lay down like Liam was. It's, it's called the definitely maybe challenge. And like, they're, it's, it's so funny. Like I saw a lot of them, even like the, what's the story morning glory when they're walking down the street, they try to find like a busy street and go into the middle of the street and walk side by side to each other. But it, it's pretty, fu- pretty funny. Like they, they do have a lot, a, a strong following. Yeah. When it comes to nostalgia, I guess. Mike Nilan, thank you so much for being on the program. It has been such a pleasure to catch up and, and to talk with you about Oasis is definitely maybe. So thank you so much for being here. Matt, thank you so much. It was really good catching up with you too. And, uh, I wish you all the best, man. All right. Thanks so much to Mike Nealon for taking some time to stop by cover to cover today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you dial into your favorite podcasts. Take a moment to tell a friend or some of your family about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. That'll certainly help us appear higher in search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.